Hello. Before we start this episode, I would just like to say thank you to all the the listeners, the fans, and I apologize for not getting out more episodes this last year. Um, I've just had a bunch of stuff come up. However, with it being a new year, I'm going to do what I can to make sure we get more episodes out. Another thing I'd like to share is Scary Jersey Guy sent me a message from somebody, Lance Cooper, who said, Oh, awesome. I was definitely hoping you guys would come back. Your episode covering John Carpenter's The Thing influenced me to finally start my own podcast with a few buddies. So I just want to say thank you. Man, reading that just (laughs) makes me feel so... Uh, so so good so humbled it's it's so sweet i i never imagined uh you know when i started this thing that i would help influence other people to also do their own thing that's great Uh, his podcast is called filmoscopy and we'll link it in the description of this podcast so yeah check it out um when i started this podcast I was at a a low point in my life. I I just needed some type of hobby or outlet. And, you know, I love movies, love talking about them. So I was like, maybe I should give this a whirl. So I would poke at another friend at the time about doing it. And then... uh. I just remembered there was a movie, this this sci-fi movie, about this like alien slug thing that transferred bodies, and I was like, "What in the hell is that movie called?" So eventually, I I found out it was The Hidden, and that was uh one of the first like movies I want to cover. So later on, I went to a convention and met. Mick Strawn, better known as the production designer of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4. And he had a podcast called Dream Warrior Review. Eventually I listened to it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna start my own podcast. And so I, I went with it, went for it, and uh, met Scary Jersey Guy through Friday the 13th video game had him as a co-host um and then uh our a few people i knew um like tom sullivan who did the the book and the dagger on the effects of evil dead i asked if he wanted to come on and talk about the flight too because i figured i figured like man I, I know he loves evil dead and his fans but he probably gets asked about that movie all the time so i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna get him for something he hasn't been asked about you know um, which is the flight too, which is, and the main theme of the podcast was I wanted to do obscure movies. Uh, you know, we discovered those hidden gems. Though we also go to other movies too, usually ones that are, have a cult base. So later on, uh, got Mick on. Uh, because I found out that he was a production 
the production designer of The Hidden. I was like, no way. So that was that was so cool. Mick Mick's been a fantastic friend. Um, so has Tom. And the other guests we've had multiple times, Tom Matthews, John Applis, and such. It's just, I feel so fortunate. Like, I just, sometimes I, I look outside through, you know, the third person perspective and look at myself and like, how in the hell did I get here? <laughs> it's, you know, it's very cool. And then uh, another interesting thing is the hidden stars. Kyle McLaughlin, which my significant other was named after because he was in Dune. So that's sometimes the way things connect in this world or universe is just mind, mind boggling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just want to thank uh, again, all the listeners, um, you know, uh, thanks. Uh, Lance for listening and starting your own thing. That's super cool. Um, we're definitely going to try to get a more consistent schedule of getting episodes out. You know, sorry, we kind of had a break. Um, so I guess with that, uh, it's on with the show. You know, and thank you to my amazing co-hosts who uh, wouldn't be the real bad dudes without my dudes, you know. They'd just be a real bad dude. Might be kind of boring. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just a quick heads up before you listen to this review. We're not doing the traditional non-spoiler recommendation before we go into spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, please check it out. Then come back and listen to this review. This is the Real Bad Dudes cast and I'm Slaya and I'm with Scary Jersey Guy. Unfortunately, due to a scheduling conflict, Nuo Owen cannot make this episode, but he shall return in the future. Our new co-host in Dallas. But we're doing the Monster Squad. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. Which squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin! They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves! But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh! Look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Written by Shane Black and Fred Decker. Directed by, well, Fred Decker. A movie that, sadly, when it came out, bombed at the box office, but has since become a a cult film. Um, but I'm going to let Scary Jersey Guy take it away. Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, uh, this, is, uh, this is one of those horror movies that I grew up on. And even as a kid, it was like The Goonies meets Universal Horror. And... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go I... I, I just can't not love this movie and everything about it. I mean, it's it, it doesn't have the same, uh, I, I, I want to say, emotional impact that Goonies had, you know, where, you know, kids are growing up and they have to take responsibility and such. But it's definitely there. It's got that whole theme of friendship. It's got that whole theme of unity. Plus, it's got some kick-ass, unbelievable special effects behind it. It's got some of the probably 
best makeup I've ever seen That's for any one of, of the those best. classic monsters. That is one of the best renditions of Frankenstein's monster I think I've ever seen on, on film, seriously. Well, we've got one of the best renditions of Frankenstein. We have one of the best werewolf transformation sequences in a yeah. horror movie. Savage as fuck Dracula. That's honestly Duncan Rager is probably one of my top Draculas of all time. Like, I mean, that's definitely open to debate, but to me, he's one of the top ones. And I mean, you've got Christopher Lee, and then if let, let, let's just say vampires in general, we've got Christopher Lee, obviously, I, as the iconic Count Dracula in all the horror, Hammer horror films, and then we've got um, Jerry Dandridge from Fright Night, played by Chris Sarandon. That's another one of my favorite vampires of all time. And then we've got Duncan Rager as Count Dracula, who's just a total badass. And plus, he's sophisticated. German as fuck. You know, total (laughs) stoic. But, I mean, it's phenomenal. You you, you just couldn't have done it better. And the mummy. The mummy. I've never seen a better mummy ever. And plus, the gill man. Creature stole my Twinkie. Goonies. I don't know. One's about treasure. The other one's, you know. But they're both involved kids grouping up to do something yeah they're both no i i completely got the same vibe from monster squad uh as far as having having kids that honestly act a lot older than they <laughs> than they probably should but i, I think it really works well that's how kids really talked growing up for me oh okay it was just that there's one part that i i thought was funny because when he's talking <laughs> about uh when he's when he's asking his dad about seeing uh, Groundhog Day Nine, Part Nine, yeah. or something like that, and which was hilarious in itself because in this universe, Bill Murray, I guess, is a, a slasher villain or whatever. But uh, well, it, it it was a nice play off of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. But um, it, when his dad kind of like brings up how these they just keep finding ways to bring the, uh, yep. the killer back and keep making sequels and stuff like that, and the kid goes, uh, "What was his name, Sean?" Yeah, he's like he's like I just want to see a stupid movie, and it's like, I I appreciate that I like the writing in it a lot, but yeah, I'm like I'm like kids don't really I mean when you're that age you don't think it's a stupid movie you think it's an awesome movie come on <laughs> like he wouldn't be seeing wanting to see it if it's a stupid movie. Well, I mean, yeah. me personally, when you're like I just want to see a stupid movie, it, it's like it, it when you say like I just want to see a stupid movie, it's like saying that it's um all I want to do is just see the movie. All I want to do is just watch a movie. No, I get it. I yeah. I, I just uh, I don't know. Maybe that was my own childhood, but I couldn't even imagine. I saw things like uh, you know Super Mario Brothers in the theater, and I did not think that movie was stupid at the time. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I was, I was, I loved it. <laughs> but no, no, I I like the characters a lot. I um, and I I think you you have to write in a movie like this. You have to write kids to be a little more sophisticated, maybe than they they would mm-hmm. be normally because it gives them uh more agency you know mm-hmm. like it may you know it's it's a little more believable in this universe that they're they're like like in shop class they're like melting silverware and making silver bullets and everything <laughs> something that unfortunately i didn't have when i was in high school they they, no, they told no. me shop classes and all that which i think <laughs> is fucking yeah. but I'll, I'll jump into the whole synapsis really quick of the whole thing or at least my personal take on it uh basically monster squad is a story about a group of kids who are in a club called the monster squad and they're basically just hardcore horror fans and they come across a journal one day that basically details that every 100 years the forces of evil grow really really strong and dracula is about to try to take over the world 
The only way that they can stop it is basically finding uh, an amulet and reciting, you know, a very specific passage, which will open up limbo and suck away all the evil. Like this is their one chance to try to save the world from darkness. And it's all up to these kids to do it, you know, and how do they find the resources and the courage to be able to go up against these horrible monsters. And that's it. And they get right into it too. The movie wastes no time. It it introduces the the kids to you briefly. You get to see a little bit of their dynamic at school. You get to see the the fat kid getting picked on, and then his buddy defending him and stuff like that. And then boom, we're on a we're on a we're on a plane, and Dracula's coffin is being transported for reasons. Yeah, but don't, don't forget the intro. The intro to me was absolutely amazing. Oh like, yeah, I the intro is terrific. But then Helsing, and it and it sets it up yeah. because of course Helsing. That's not the last time we see him. But, well, uh, what do they what do they throw out with the beginning scroll line? Just they blew they it, blew and then it, it shows, it. you know, it shows a couple carriages going up to the castle. They blow open the gates. You see the vampire lady, and then of course gnawing on something that just like a possum itself was like that was creepy as far i mean just that imagery the way she looked her eyes and everything and the fact that she's standing there with this this like blank kind of look while she's feeding on this this animal and then we have uh, dracula rising up man. and i mean it it i never noticed this as a kid because it was just like whoa this is all happening mm-hmm. it turns mm-hmm. out that this was actually a really disjointed intro because there was stuff that the, that they cut out there was way bigger plans i think there was a story about how Shane Black wrote like zeppelins and shit were going to be going over this castle wow. and there was going to be like a mini war going on and the studio was like this is going to cost a hundred million dollars just to film this <laughs> and it's your intro cut that shit but they actually recently came across still photos I don't know I think there actually is video footage of this because um, you never saw Dracula he, he, he appeared and then he walked off screen and then the carriages roll up and they blow out the gate and then that whole intro happens. Apparently Dracula went off and attacked some people. He wound up getting staked and they threw him on a pile, like a, like, like a cart with a pile of other vampires. And some schmuck is basically sitting at a campfire and he sees a vampire lady. She gets, she attacks him. He leans back and grabs a stake out of the cart to go kill her. And it turns out that he pulls up the stake that was holding Dracula in place. Oh. And and kills her, and that's when Dracula rises again. But he's far away from the castle to prevent Limbo. That's why he didn't get sucked in. And it was also a lead up to what you see in the end when he finally does get dragged in. Right. Yeah. Wow. So 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 that was just the intro alone. We've already got a shit ton of action. We've got beautiful set pieces, and I'll never forget just the first thing you see is the Grim Reaper holding a scythe, and I'm like, whoa. You know, and, and then we bounce out of that and then we jump to quote unquote present day where we've got Sean and Patrick and they're sitting in the principal's office. And once again, this is coming <laughs> from this is coming from me. I don't have a script. I haven't watched the movie in years, but it's very it's a movie that I grew up with. I love it. I mean, put two and two together. How do you think he got scary Jersey guy instead of scary German guy? And there you go. I'm not even watching it right now as we speak. So if I'm a little off on stuff, give me a little bit of leeway. Yeah, I've. But, I grew up with this we've movie, got, too. We've got Sean and Patrick in the principal's office, and they're getting shooed up by the principal. And a lot of this dialogue, th- this, to me, w- is what made it so good, was just the fact that this was relatable dialogue. Because back then, people will, today will look back at this and be like, I can't believe he's making these remarks. 
And we all know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to delve into it. But this is how kids talk back then. Uh, I don't know. I think kids still kind of talk that way. You know, they do to an extent. It's just that things have, you know, the pop culture. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. things things have changed about it. But as far as like, yeah, I mean, monsters were a huge deal back then. I mean, that's but not even just the monsters. It was just the whole. Uh, it was the whole discussion that they had when they left the office, where it's like he put his hand on the shoulder and yeah, uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, yeah. and they they described something that. Um, Fuck it. I'm not even going to. I'm maybe, not even going to. Maybe look, correct, but I know I appreciated that about the movie, actually. Yeah. That junior that high, high bad. school with gym teachers and stuff. There was stuff said like that because, you know, it was just. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. That's how kids talked when yeah. they were 12, 13 years old. Oh, they totally old. did. Yeah. That's that's absolutely. There was kids on my bus that were exactly like them uh, as far as <laughs> that, that kind of uh, commentary. But, but it goes into the whole point that I'm making, though, is just that. This dialogue was a hundred percent relatable. It's very because granted, yeah. granted, I wasn't their age at the time, but that's exactly how people talked. You know, it's just so it's it's not like it could be like, well, that's how kids in middle school talk because I was in fucking elementary school when this movie came out, and that's how I grew up with it. Uh, but you know, so we got we got the whole notion of that, and then we quick jump off into a quick clubhouse scene where they're sitting and talking and just hanging out. And this is when we're introduced to a pivotal player in the movie, Phoebe, who it's one of my favorite lines ever is when she's knocking on the door and Sean pulls open the thing and and it says, no girls allowed. He's like, can't you read? And then the kid is like, mom says you have to let me in the club or else it's prescription. And he just, that's discrimination, jerkoid. Prescription is drugs, which you're on if you think you're getting up here. The little girl that actually referenced Rambo First Blood, where she's like, yeah, talking yeah. about Vietnam, and she's like, it was in Rambo. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's funny. That's an 80s kid right there. Jesus. <laughs> it's totally an 80s kid, but also, once again, this is like so real dialogue because this is kids trying to explain shit to parents, and the mother is trying to keep track of all these things. You know, it's like, oh, I got this book for you from a garage sale. And I think it's written by Van Helsing or something. Van Helsing? Wasn't he he the one that killed Godzilla? That fought Godzilla? Yeah. Yeah, you you know what I mean? So this is true parents trying to keep track of all the weird shit that their kids are in. And you know what? I can relate to that as a kid. And I can also relate to it as a parent because my kids are explaining shit to me. And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's that thing. You know, it's like when you have somebody trying to explain Fortnite to you and you don't know shit about it. And it's like, yeah, and you can become a fox and you can instantly make stairs appear. Cool. <laughs> you know, but you try to listen and you try to keep track of it. Sure. You know, so we're, so we have a very decent exposition or at least a kind of understanding of who the characters are, where they're coming from. It doesn't make any bones about who anybody is. You can see that there's a troubled marriage just based on the dialogue between the husband and wife. And even just the whole hinting of, you know, yeah, I'm going to marriage counseling tonight. Like, it's a fucking routine thing. And I'm just like, woof. You know, but we also missed out on two other characters here. We've got Horace, otherwise known as Fat Kid, who got accosted by two kids. One of them is, who the fuck was that kid? Uh, Was he in the Wonder Years, I think? He was in the Wonder Years. He was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I know Jay- I recognize Jason something. From... Yeah, but he was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I am I ready. Roll. I recognize a lot of people in this movie, just character mm-hmm. actors and things like little, just 
people that just had like a, a couple scenes, like the um, the pilot on the airplane when uh, Dracula was on there is yeah. in UHF. He was one of the he was one of the mobsters in UHF mm-hmm. that was working for the villain. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> and then, and, but then we so we meet Horace, and then we also meet um, Rudy, who saves the day because these two kids are fucking bullying him, which is unfortunately something that. A lot of kids went through going up, you know, people got bullied because of the clothes they wore, the shoes they wore, their weight, their haircuts, you know, anything that, you know, another asshole kid would try to make fun of, they they would grab it and run with it. And this one, they went off on him about his weight, you know, I'm, I'm out in the street where fat kid is blocking traffic. Can't you stop eating? They grab his Snickers bar, stop on it. <laughs> and here's when Rudy shows up, who's like, I thought he was the coolest kid ever. Like, I wanted to be like Rudy. You know, you got a badass kid rolling up with a leather jacket, sunglasses, <laughs> cool haircut, and he just looks at him. He's like, "You dropped your candy bar, EJ. It's his. It's yours now." Yeah. You know, I, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, and he made that <laughs> son of a bitch eat it. What I thought you know, was so- <laughs> sorry, I was gonna say what I thought was funny about Rudy though, because uh, I yeah, I like that character a lot. I thought it was awesome. his gouaches. I thought it was kind of funny that they were quizzing him later on in the in their clubhouse about mm-hmm. monsters and everything, and then when sean goes to leave he's like so am i in or what it's like you mean you haven't inducted this kid into your club <laughs> like your, your your secret club yet like oh well, yeah it's just how half that kids are you know <laughs> it's like but he, he 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 did you know he did fat kid a solid i'm sorry yeah. i don't want to fat <laughs> you, but um but it's like it's like he's only like probably one of the coolest kids in school if not the coolest i hear like, he killed his dad yeah yeah it's like they're just quizzing him about monsters and stuff because they have that they have that thing where they're like asking him how do you kill a werewolf how do you kill a wolf a werewolf or whatever and he's like silver bullet he's like there are other ways it's like okay what like what instead what, oh my god they're just dis- with power tools yeah. their their discussion earlier in the movie when they're trying to decipher if like wolfman's a guy or not yeah there's a lot <laughs> of wear pants so you don't see his wolf dork <laughs> wolf dork <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that comes back in that movie, which surprised me. Like, I didn't know there was going to be a payoff even to, to that, that kid. Like, uh, I didn't know there was going to... Yeah. Well, no, that, there was a payoff for everything. That's what I... Yeah, it, it's very cleverly written like that, because nothing is just... Uh, uh, Nothing's there just to fill the time. Right, exactly. Everything's relevant. This movie time. pays better homage to classic movie monsters than Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, but that's about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. But um, before we jump forward, um, I just want to point out like how impactful this scene was to me, like as a kid, because like I said, Rudy was cool, you know. Very and here cool. he is sticking up for some kid who's being bullied by two assholes who were afraid of him. <laughs> this guy fucking bullied the bullies, and you know what? You need people like that. And I mean, like that had an impact on me sitting. There. I was like, you know what? That guy's cool. You know, he stuck up for someone who was getting fucking pounded on by two jerk-offs. And you know what? He made these kids pay. These assholes. And he didn't he have made to lift a finger doing it either. Yeah. That's the other thing. He, is he, he... he made that son of a bitch eat a candy bar that he threw on the ground and stepped on with his shoes, which has probably been in countless amounts of dog shit. You know, so it's just, to me, it was a, it was a great scene. And it also taught me personally that, you know what? Stick up for people. Right. You know, and don't don't be a dickhead like that. When you see people being dickheads, call them out on it and show them exactly what it feels like. Because you know what? He had to eat that candy bar in front of everybody in school. And I just thought that that was the coolest thing ever. It was. That was. Yeah. No, he's an awesome character. Yeah. I just, I, 
I did wonder that about him, though. I'm like, because it seemed like he he just knew how to command respect without having to resort to getting physical. So, well, to me, I mean, he always seemed like a high school kid that was somewhat like hanging out with middle schoolers. Kind of, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like he didn't have to. He didn't have to get his hands dirty. Like just that look, just that glare he gave the other kid, where he's yeah. he's just looks he, at him and just he intimidates him. He's got you know. He did what was right. You know what? I mean, it just goes to show right there that bullies in general, when people stand up to them, you find out that they're coward assholes. Oh, yeah. You know, so so jumping forward a little bit, here's where we get one of the, like, next coolest scenes in the movie, which, uh, you know what, since we're talking about best in horror, like, appearance-wises, this scene was so cool when they had that, the, the bomber plane. And just the dialogue between yeah. the two guys back and forth was great. You know, it's like, I'm so unhappy. I, I hate this job. And the other guy is like, why? Do they complain? Yeah. Do they get airsick? Do they ask you for more little almond things? He's like, I'm transporting crates full of dead people. You know, then you hear that crash in the back. And is like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, he goes back and checks it out. And he's like, I'll stay up here and make spooky sounds. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then he sees a rat. He thinks it's a rat, uh, a bat. And then it it's turns bat, out to yep. be Dracula, oh, who yeah. fucking cold cocks him. <laughs> and then he opens up the cargo bay doors. And then you just see one of the coolest transformations into a bat that I've ever seen. It like you saw really that shit good. happen in real time. And looked... this is pre CGI. Uh huh. Well, it was all Stan Winston stuff. And I mean, they're just. Stan Winston's the master. Yeah. You know, and that that's just a. A, a little bit more insight than we ever really got in the intro just of how dracula operates because i mean to me this is like a total departure of dracula in in every sense of the word because i mean most draculas that we've seen he's either like this really elegant guy or he's like this hideous you know deformed creature or even like christopher lee's portrayal of dracula in the hammer where he gets his hands dirty but it's like we watch bela lugosi who's like the dracula and he gets killed off screen. And you just do, oh, and then it's the end of it. You know, there's not really much to it. He runs away from everything, but he kind of acts like a bully. But this Dracula, he's like a bastard and a badass at the same time. You know, the guy turns around, he just belts him right in the jaw. <laughs> and he, he is a bully, though, too, because to the other monsters, like especially the Wolfman, you know, he's just he's just uh... they're expendable forcing him yeah he's just using them for his own means yeah he's right. making the wolfman take pills he's, uh -huh. he's you know encaging um he's encaging um frankenstein up and you yeah. know he's like the, the children when you come across them kill them you know not even <laughs> just take the book back just fucking kill them you know this, yeah. this guy's an evil son of a bitch <laughs> he fucking oh, blows right. up their clubhouse yeah. of dynamite I that love is that. The that coolest is thing ever. Brutal, yeah. That's it's it's just cool because it's like that kind of, you know, you don't get those levels of child endangerment. And yeah. <laughs> we're gonna jump to that movies. scene in a little bit. We're gonna jump to that scene in a little bit. Let's. Let, I, I want to do the chronology because we're so okay. gonna jump back and be like, oh, do you remember this part? Do you remember that part? And it's like, fuck, we could we should have talked about that 15 minutes ago. Um, we get a little bit of insight into yeah the Groundhog Day scene. We get um the notion that the parents are going through a rough time or he just nonchalantly regards. It's, it's kind of funny though, that like he complains about not being able to go to the movies, but he can just go on his goddamn roof and like watch whatever movie at the drive in. Like, dude, I'm sorry. Did you cool. call it a roof? I said, I said roof. You called it a roof. 
a little bit. Yeah, I think I you called that shit a roof. We're gonna spend the next twenty minutes going on about roofs. Okay, um, but yeah, if you go to see a drive-in movie, which sadly is another lost art out here, um, you know, he was able to sit on the roof and tune into the classic radio station. But you got more insight into these characters, and they're fleshed out really, really cool. You got this father who is stuck on the job, and you've got the mother who spent time with me. And he's like, honey, you you knew what you married into. I'm a cop. I have to go down to the station because there's some shit going down. You know, he had to cancel the marriage counseling. You've got the the good dialogue between the father and son. Like, I want to go see the movie. And he's like, I thought they killed him in the last one. You know, and he well, he returned from the grave. Oh my god, every single movie, he always comes back from the grave. Uh-huh. If they blew him up, chopped the parts up, and mailed the rest of the brain to Norway, he would still come back from the grave. That was part seven. You know, that's like one of my favorite the, lines in the entire movie. What that was part seven, just that whole dialogue. Uh, you know, yeah, and, it, and it was great. You know, he's like, you know, can I have five bucks? Yeah, sure. And then he's like, um. All right, cool, because I'm going to go see Groundhog Day. He's like, I bet, 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 you got to watch your sister tonight. He's like, but I, we were going to go see the movie. They're going to blow the entire plot. The plot? It's a guy with an axe, you know? Right. And he's like, and that's when he says, I just want to see a stupid movie. He's like, yeah, but the problem is, is that your stupid movie um, is going to infringe on you watching your sister, and it's going to keep you from my $5. And then he's like, oh, can I have $5 anyway? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then it got even cooler because he's sitting on the roof. The, yeah, not the I almost called him, it a run. <laughs> God damn it! I'm sorry. Everything. And they're sitting yeah. down. He's like, "What did I miss?" You know. So you, you got this notion that they are a cool family and they get together. And then the next scene, <laughs> you know, he gets dragged down to the police station where we're introduced to the poor son of a bitch playing the Wolfman. It's probably one of the most sympathetic portrayals of a Wolfman I've ever seen. Oh yeah. yeah. I believe he also repri or played uh, another uh, werewolf in. Right, yeah. I haven't seen that one yet, but Did I'll he? talk about it later. Yeah, he was a werewolf in Fright Night Part 2, along with uh, Brian Thompson from Cobra. Nice. nice. So th- th- that's another classic that we'll have to take a look at. Um, Fright Night 2 or Cobra? Cobra. Cobra. Let me just say, oh, we got to look at Cobra. Oh. When they were watching the, uh, the drive-in theater on the roof, I uh, th- what was it about? The, uh, a lot of 80s kids in movies apparently like to climb out in their the roofs of their houses or whatever and the explorers like when ethan hawk is like lying down and like staring into the cosmos or whatever on the roof of his house you know like <laughs> yeah because that was like the most chill spot where you could yeah. get away from everything yeah i think uh i think it was nuo that was telling me like uh or somebody was about like the kids <clears throat> going on the roof or whatever like that how dangerous that could be or whatever like kids i'm like kids are there all the time yeah, that that, that 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 was part of being a kid. Is you went out and you hung out there because that was the one spot where nobody could ever find you and you could be by yourself with your thoughts. You know, that 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 was the hangout spot. All right, so what do we cover here? We got the intro, we've got pretty much everything leading up to Groundhog Day, and then of course we have the very iconic scene of the poor bastard in the police station, you know, saying, You've got to lock me up, I'm a werewolf, I'm a werewolf and they're like, Yeah, sure. Which is kind no, of funny kidding. because he, this guy's trying his best to get locked up in jail and then finally you know they're like all right you want to go to jail well you'll go to jail and that's when the full moon reflects on him and he just tears the police station apart and that's when he gets shot dead lock me up blam 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 
I, yeah. which, uh, admittedly, I think he, I mean, I understand his, uh, <laughs> I understand what he's going for, but probably taking the gun uh, didn't really do him any favors. Cause, well, know, that was the only way that he could get their attention. I think he was because I mentioned when he was like just beating the hell out of him. I think uh, I think as soon as he grabbed the gun, he kind of was asking for the dude just to open fire on him, and he should have known that that wasn't going to do anything. Well, we also got that. Fuck, I, I always love that. That always stuck out to me is when he grabbed the one deputy and yelled "Bon voyage" and threw him through a window. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought when I when when I was watching that at first, I thought he was in the midst of turning you know right then and there because he was he saw the full moon right there and i thought that was part yeah. of it when he when he flung the guy and then it's like wait he's still in control he's just like he's just he was losing it to, yeah yeah but no, i mean I, it, it it just speaks volumes to the actor himself and just the character the way that it was written that you yeah. have this poor bastard who knows what's going to happen and he's actually trying to put a stop to it you know you have to lock me up i i I, I mean, there's no real exposition as to how he became a werewolf, but at this juncture, who gives a shit? Oh no, it's just well, it's just like like I said uh, with Dracula's uh, being on the plane and everything. They don't, yeah, you, you don't really need to know. It's just let's let's get this plot and you know let's get things in motion here. Well, well, yeah, they're, they're getting <laughs> stuff in motion, and then we flash forward to the next thing of where Dell, the father, to Sean and uh, Phoebe gets dragged out to another crime scene where a three thousand year old <laughs> mummy has disappeared. And I just love this back and forth that they had with the security guard. That because funny, Bill's yeah. just walking around going, fuck my life. And here's his partner who's sitting there. He's like, so did you take him? No, sir. And then finally Dell is like, look, 3,000-year-old dead guys don't just get up and walk away. And then it flash cuts of to the mummy <laughs> walking across the street where he gets passed by the coroner's van carrying the dead body of the poor bastard that's the werewolf. And that <laughs> museum exhibit, just to... Because this movie looks really good. Like, every set in this movie, in my opinion, looks good. And and for that, for just the couple of minutes that they're in uh, at that museum exhibit, that place was gorgeous. I was like... <laughs> I yeah, was kind of sad that we didn't get to spend more time in some of these places. And yeah. I mean, from a technical standpoint, I mean, all the actors are really on point here. There's no hokey dialogue. The set pieces look phenomenal. The cinema photography couldn't have done better. It you know, and really I, I think the real star of this, yeah. of course, is the practical effects. I mean, we see the mummy who, like I said, this the, is the best mummy that I have ever seen in film. The and second, we haven't gotten there, of course, but the second werewolf transformation in the phone booth was awesome. Was amazing. That is so yes. cool. I did not expect that, and it happened so quick, the way it just, like, kind of pans over, and the, the, the bar, the corner from the phone booth, you know, and as soon as his face, like, it swipes, he's like... He's gonna kill oh, your oh. son! Oh, yeah, and he, cool. he, he bit into some Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, but it, the, yeah, that that was phenomenal. But I, I just love the way that everything was tied together here where, you know, dead guys don't get up and then we go to the mummy walking across the street and then it's passed by a van being driven by this little kid who happens to, you know, that's not a little kid, but I mean, he looks totally baby faced, but. Oh, he's got the headphones is, on. He was, he was, yeah. yeah, he was listening to a Walkman. Yeah. And then that's when you see the werewolf pop up for the first time, uh -huh. and it was scary as all hell. It looked fantastic. And I think I read somewhere that it was supposed to look like Stan Winston. Uh, yeah, I believe Stan like Winston based off his that. face. 
I could see But that. I mean, if you watch the movie and then you compare it to a photo of Stan Winston, like compare the two photos. Yeah. Right. It, it looks like Stan Winston. <laughs> and here's where we jump cut to um, Sean in the house at night. You got the parents arguing in the back room because he had to walk out on the marriage counseling to go do his job and she's bitching at him. And I mean, it, it's funny because you can actually see both perspectives of the argument here between the two of them. It's not a one-sided thing, you know, but she's complaining because she's not getting enough attention. He's complaining because he's stuck going to work and he recounts his night phenomenally. You know how my night was? Because she's like, I have a bad day every day. He's like, oh, you want to know how my day was? <laughs> I get called out to a museum where a 3,000-year-old Egyptian mummy just disappeared. And then I find out that this guy in the police station tore it apart and guess what they blew him away right in the police station and all the while in the background you got sean looking at the calling board that says mr alucard called and then wow. he looks at it funny and takes out the piece of paper and writes out alucard and then he rearranges it and then just bam dracula yeah that was that was a cool i mean well I mean, we all know at this point, Alucard is. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Castlevania. We know. Um, yeah. But no, I, I like that scene because of, uh, it. You know, at first when he's just hearing his parents kind of mumbling, he's hearing like the uh, them them arguing, and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we've all been there. I think. I mean, that kind of you know, it, yeah. it sounds like when you're just hmm. hearing it as like background noise, it sounds like a typical arguments between two parents but when you actually get to hear what they're saying to each other it's just so completely off the wall as far as when he like you said when he's describing his night it's, <laughs> the so it's shit that of, i had to go through today you're complaining because you had to watch yeah. it bitch. <laughs> it's like we were talking about with the uh uh with the the, the german guy that we haven't gotten to yet but yeah when they they put like they kind of like momentarily inject some kind of like levity doses well yeah like the, a, a little dose of kind of cold reality but then they they intermix it with this like completely insane shit that's going on you know within the universe of this movie <laughs> it's like it, it does it, it, it helps make it more real yeah yeah no it really does it's it's really good like that yeah really and i mean I, I i absolutely agree with your point right there too because i mean it, it's once again where you you hear this argument going on in the background and you're like yeah we've been there before uh -huh. but it's also you get that feeling that even though this shit if you hadn't been through it you would look at it and go oh my god this is so crazy but if you had been through it it's routine this oh, is yeah. life you know and it's the same thing with like where he's like nonchalantly shaving and he's like where are you guys going tonight marriage counselor like oh we've been, we've done this shit before you know so it, it's it, we've already got a really good establishment of all the key players so far and then naturally we get to the really really cool stuff like eugene the little cute kid you the know he's knocking on the kid. door yeah. he's knocking on the door waking up the parent who <laughs> reminded me of gilbert godfrey <laughs> a little bit I could see he that. reminded me of gilbert godfrey and then he's waking him up he's like what you know, there's a monster in my closet. We've all been there, too. And then the father kicks open the door. He's like, Jesus, look at all these monsters. All right, all of you monsters, get out of here. Out, 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 out. That like incredibly that. 80s bedroom with the My Little Monster doll. Yes, I remember I had one of those. Uh -huh. I didn't and it was, I, yeah. it was so cute, you know, because it's just... 
this is things that we've all dealt with when we had really awesome parents that played along to our stupid fears. And this is also something that we, that me personally as a parent, I went through as well. And I'm going to keep touching on that point just to, you know, show you how well written this movie really, really was. It, the kid how... was also, the, uh, I, just <clears throat> I noticed he was also wearing a... Uh... Those pajamas, Masters of the Universe. No, it was or like Macron. It was Macron. It, it, it I think it was Macron. It was Holy Macron. shit! And I, I, I thought that was kind of crazy. I don't know. Like that's. Oh my fuck! You just uh... brought me back. I had so many of the. <laughs> Every kid had those fucking pajamas, where it was. You had the design on the pants. You had the shirt, and the sleeves were all plain. And then hmm. it just had a solid color in the middle with a logo on it and it was it could huh. be transformers it could be macron it could uh, be masters of the universe it, every fucking kid had those when and I, they were always red or blue or black when i watched the movie a bit ago my first real response man this movie is aggressively 80s <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love it but you know what it's it, 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 it was a wonderful familiar era that we will never ever have again and oh, I mean, no. as far as the 80s go, personally, I'll, I'll quick segue back into it. But I mean, to me, the 80s, what I think was so cool about the 80s was, is we were just bought, we were just on the cusp of things were still old school and we were just kind of branching huh. into newer technology. You know, we had Walkmans because yeah. this is like we, we, we've gone past the point of the only way that you could get music was by having those big ass record players or those eight tracks in the car. <laughs> You know, uh, this is when we had walk-ins, and this is when we had television that played more than three channels, you know? And, and I mean, yeah, they first introduced, like, those big brick cell phones and shit. <laughs> but as soon as you uh, hit the 90s, I think that's when technology started to take over. You know, like, to me, the 80s was the end of a lot of old-school shit. Yeah. You know, but uh, aside from being reflective about that nonsense, you know, we have this cute moment where, like I said, I've dealt with this as a child because that's how I was. I would see monsters under the bed and my parents were awesome. They would be like, yeah, you know what, monsters, get out of here, you know. And then as a parent, you know, I've had my daughters come up and it's like, oh, my God, there's a monster. And I'm like, you know what, monster, fuck you, get out of here, you know. you know. So I've been on both ends of those coins. And then yeah. – are there any more monsters? And then little Eugene just points to the closet and he's like, Oh, I'll take care of him. And then he opens up the closet. Woo! And that big scary monster. Woo! <laughs> yeah, never never looks inside of it. Yep. And then in the background, you've got the mummy in the classic Egyptian burial pose with the arms crossed. And then he reaches out with the hand and Eugene just covers his eyes because, of course, we're stupid kids. We thought that would make a difference. Just like hiding under the blankets, you know? What? Huh. And then he just but what was and the mummy doing in there? He's just like taking a nap or he something. Was out. I guess he was hanging out. Sure. You know, I mean, uh, it just, uh, makes for a good scene. It makes yeah, for yeah, yeah. And then the father just slams the door, and he's like, "You are not going to be spending the night with me and your mother. And if you keep this up, I will not let you watch any of those horror movies or monster magazines anymore." That's right. Pats him on the head and walks out. And then Eugene just turns around, <laughs> and he just sees like the bandages leaving the window sill. <laughs> He's like, fuck, and hides again, you know? I mean, to me, it was a great contrast because to me, that was a lot more realistic. And it's like a great, uh, it's like a great other side of the coin because you look at how Creepshow started off with the father. I told you not to read this crap. And if you can't, you're reading a piece of shit like this again, you won't sit down for a week, you know? And I'm just like, damn, what an asshole, <laughs> you know? 
You know, so yeah. once again, we're diving into more stuff, and now we've got the mummy going through the woods. We've got the werewolf fully transformed after he's trashed the coroner's man going through the woods. He walks into Dracula, who's holding that kick-ass um, the cane with the van- with the werewolf's head on it. Do we remember that scene? Yeah. Oh, wait. You know that was that, that was a nice little throwback to the Universal Horror days. Oh yeah. And of oh, course, we get introduced I... to the last member of the. You know, it's it's kind of funny because now that I, now that I think about it, we had the Monster Squad, which was the club, and now we literally have a Monster Squad we with the monsters the, themselves. The last two, actually. Yeah. And well, they, yeah. Talking about when they meet in the uh, when they're in the, the old man, and they meet um uh, for, uh when they wake up Frankenstein, played by Tom Noonan, who we were talking about Robocop two earlier, who played Kane. Right. Isn't it amazing how that shit just works out great? <laughs> But um, what I'm saying that it's the creature from the Black Lagoon that actually right. like brings up his yeah, his silly, his which was actually a Paramount creation, uh, so they were able to get away with uh, paying homage to Universal and uh, you know the creature yeah. from Paramount. Yeah, which um, a fun Friday the Thirteenth fact, uh, Ted White actually worked on Creature from the Black Lagoon. Hmm. And Ted White, we all know, is my personal favorite Jason, Friday the 13th, Part 4. Ah, yeah. But he he actually worked on uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Hmm. That's cool. So there's a nice little useless (laughs) fucking time waster for you. But, you know, that's the... He he wakes him up by detaching the little ears off of the cane, get the lightning strike thing going on, and then we've got Frankenstein waking up, and now we've got a full monster squad on both ends. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, and then naturally, this is when we get introduced to the very first meeting of the Monster Squad. You know, like when they drag Rudy up there, <laughs> yeah. you know, for the second time. And this is when he, you know, he's like, "Would you all shut up?" Because we've got all those things. When he's like, like Rudy's looking at the window, trying to get a peek of the sister. <laughs> we've got how does that dog get up here, anyways? Yeah. You know, and, and we've got Sean like passionately trying to tell everybody that there's some serious shit going down. You know, I think there's um, I, th- there's monsters. I think Dracula's running around and all this. And then just like they're all looking at him and then just suddenly Patrick. Oh, man, fat kid farted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's when Sean takes a leadership roles and tells them all to shut up. And he's like, aren't you listening to a word that I'm saying? You know, guy was in a um, a police station saying he was a werewolf and they shot him and then. Next thing you know, the coroner van is trashed and the 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 body's missing. And then there's a mummy that's missing too. And he's like, Well, they shot him, you know. Maybe the maybe he why would he turn into a werewolf if he got shot? He was like, Maybe they didn't use regular bullets. And guys, I think Dracula's here too, you know, and, and shit like that. It, it's just watching this dialogue of seeing this kid try to explain like the, the most outlandish shit you've ever heard. And well, he somehow actually got in the. It's like Miami Vice. What's it squad? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then he's like, I think there's a mummy too. And that's when Eugene is like, Mummy came in my house. And that's when they finally started to believe it all. That, that was one thing that kind of confused me about that kid. It was uh, when there is, like, uh, as I said before, at the end of the movie, there's actually. Um, <laughs> there's some closure, I guess, to that. Like, they. Because they, the whole movie, I'm like, are we seriously mm-hmm. just going to call him Fat Kid the entire time? And he, like, 
he says his name, but it's like, but he tells it to, he tells it to the boys. I'm teasing him that way. It's like, well, his friends call him Fat Kid too. So, like, that's, like, I don't, I don't really, they don't call him Horace. Although, I mean, with a name like Horace. Well, I mean, that's one of those things where, that that's one of those things where it's like, you know, when, when you're among friends, it's meant lightly, you know? But sure. when it's around people that are being malicious about it, it's an insult. Yeah, I suppose it's just I, I just I guess I was surprised that because, like I like I was saying, the movie's really clever in terms of like the way the script's written and everything. There's nothing just just happens. Everything kind of has like a purpose or you know kind of comes back in the end. And like even that, <laughs> there was a payoff to to Fat Kid. It's like we finally got yeah. to learn Fat Kid's name. And, yeah, uh, my, well, he was always known as Horace because even in the beginning, when they were making fun of him, you know, and calling him Fat Kid, he's like, "My name's Horace." And then, of course, you have like that fuck. I couldn't believe this one I, when the one just looks up. He's like Horace. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, and right, like I just saw the movie, and like you, yeah. <laughs> you, you remember a lot more of it than I mean I, I I as far as like exact bits of dialogue like I totally all the action scenes and stuff like that I I was I'm trying I, I'm trying my best to keep at least a story in in order <laughs> no, you, it's, no you you got it I'm just saying I'm saying that. no I, I'm forgetting little important tidbits here and there it's just like I'm personally recollecting shit so oh, it's like oh yeah but remember this part well so then they got to go see. Uh... They got to get the book translated. Well, that, well, that's just what yeah. I was about to go yeah. to because what they what they came to the conclusion to in the monster house, and this is what basically helps convince them, is when they were like, "Well, how do you know all this?" And it's like my mom got this book written by Van Helsing, and it's like, "Well, what does it say?" I don't understand. It's all in German, <laughs> and this leads to another character who is often mentioned but hadn't been. Seen my sister takes point. German. <laughs> No, she doesn't. Yeah, your sister doesn't take German. She just hangs out and lets guys feel her tits. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. But um, the, the the point being is that this is another bit of relatability for everybody. There was always a neighbor who scared the shit out of you, and it was usually an old person. And, you know, this is where they mention I'm scary German guy. Yeah, even Home Alone did that. Yeah, well, twice. that was with the guy killed a bunch of people. And, and you know what? That's a good throwback to what you had mentioned earlier with like, there's a pure 80s kid where she's like, oh, Vietnam and all this. This is where it happened. Is, um, uh, you know, <laughs> leave him alone. He's an old guy on welfare. And it's like, we're not even at war with Germany anymore. And then the Phoebe pipes in, we're at war with Vietnam. What? It's in Rambo. That's right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where she was talking about something. Yeah, that's when um, uh, Horace runs up and he's like, "You guys, Rudy saved my life. Can we let him in the club?" And they're talking about him, and they're like, "He's just sitting there smoking a cigarette." And it's like, "I don't know about this, you know." And it's like, "I heard he killed his dad." And that's when Horace, who's been bullied in the beginning of the movie, looks at the little kid, "Get out of here, Phoebe the Phoebe." <laughs> you know, so naturally they decide that since the book is written in German, they'll go up to scary German guy and see if he can get it to translate for him. So they have to overcome that fear of that scary neighbor who actually, you know, it's like th this, I always thought was a really cool scene because they're, they're I... walking up. It's like, I don't know about this, you know? Yeah, and yeah. you know, they're like, I don't know about this. And it's like, um, what if he kills us? What if he's like a serial killer? And it's like, and it cuts yeah. immediately. <laughs> I'm well, what's your, I'm... yeah, that was on, it. It was like, 
Yeah, so how do you say please don't kill us in German? What's German for that? And then you just hear, bitte motten sie uns nicht. You know, and they turn around and you see little uh, Leonardo Samino smiling at him, who is a wonderful <laughs> actor. I remember him from a ton of movies. Um, if we're going to stick in the horror bracket, Amityville Horror 2. Uh-huh. Which was that shitty one that we should never, ever fucking watch. But um, it, it turns out that it, it just jumps to the next scene where he's holding a knife. He's holding like, a knife. This is, time is, this is almost up. There you go. And he's like, time for, it's your last chance for pie. And then we've got Horace eating up all the fucking cake. <laughs> <laughs> and drinking Pepsi, yeah. And then he sits down. It turns out that he's this really kindly old man who's, yeah. who's, you know, he reads the inscription to him. He's like, oh, this is a hundred years ago today. You know, a hundred years ago tonight. And that's when he explains the whole notion of the amulet, that the amulet has the ability to tip the balance regarding, you know, depending on who's holding on to it. If evil has it, you know, evil will take over and darkness will consume the world and then if good has it they can open up limbo and seal away the evil forever and as they're walking away you know it's like you know we're glad we stopped by here and you know he just mentions you have nothing to be afraid of you know did you perhaps think i was a vampire if i was a vampire i would not cast a reflection and then he looks off at the mirror and you see uh, him, find him and that's when horace is like man you sure know a lot about monsters now that you mention it, I suppose I do. And he closes the door, and you see the concentration camp writing yeah. on his arm. It's a severe levity to the whole situation. That was but, that was cool. Yeah, that was you know. But as Dallas had pointed out, that adds a lot of realism to it. It makes this shit real. You're not in some fantastical world. Yeah, it, that's genuine horror. I mean, that's that's real life atrocities. Yeah, that's. Uh, I yeah. like that. I because I thought they were going in a different direction for that for a second. I thought it was going to be some kind of thing. I don't know where he turned out to be like a descendant of Van Helsing, or, yeah, or something like that. And and then it's like, oh no, they're going way more serious with this right now. But I mean, to me, that's the beauty of storytelling, especially right. if you're trying to tell fantastical elements like this, because when you take things that are real and familiar to us things that have happened you make the world real by injecting things that have happened to us that we've experienced or even heard about that have been proven to be true it makes that one fantastical thing seem a little bit more likely to happen oh yeah yeah they uh yeah they they grounded it i mean they they grounded it the uh the, the universe of this movie uh despite all the Really uh, amazing coincidences. Yeah, it does all these monsters here really well (laughs) at paying homage to the '30s classic monsters being set in the '80s. And yeah, like you said, like uh, it's just a movie where you know it's it's fine. It's okay that that it is coincidence and everything kind of works because. It knows it knows what it is. It's because the humor, the jokes too, like the Groundhog Day joke earlier, stuff like that. You know, the movie knows what it is. Like it, yeah. It 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 wastes no time. It does not. You know, you don't. You're given what you need to know about the situation. Or later on, the the Hardy Boys joke. You know, it just yes, the heart which actually works. Yeah, that's which is quite funny. Yeah, do you have a better idea? Yeah. I mean, they're cornered. I it's mean, it's I mean, fun, and maybe it's like a little meta, but it doesn't 
beat you over the head with it. That's why that's why I think everything in the movie works. You know, it's silly, but it's not too silly. Well, yeah, it, it, it's just it, it definitely balances everything out perfectly. You know, so n- next thing you know, we've got the kids sitting outside. They're trying to talk about some type of a plan for how they're going to approach this shit. Like, you know, <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie was, um, all right, fat kid, I want you to get a map to 666 Shadowbrook Road. And he's like, oh, yeah, what am I supposed to do? Look in the look in the map guide for big, scary mansions. You know, he's, he's trying to be a leader. He's telling it, you know, he's giving everybody, you know, some idea of what to do here. And here's when little Phoebe walks up. You guys, look what I found. You know, and they're blowing her off. And then finally she's like, would you look? And then Frankenstein walks up. Yeah, they, they Don't only showed... Don't be chicken shit! Because he, he came next to her while she was um, yeah. at the lake or whatever. and But yeah. it was just for like a second. Because uh, you don't know what's going to happen because it's the whole thing that, you know, Dracula told him to to kill the children to kill and everything. The kids. So, yeah. And he plus, just appears and she looks back. up at him. Yeah, and plus it was a throwback to the original Frankenstein because in the original Frankenstein, the last time you had a little girl throwing uh, you know flowers in the lake, yeah, Frankenstein walked up, fucking saw her throwing the flowers, and was like, "Oh, so this is a thing to do." Yeah, and then he starts throwing flowers, and then eventually he throws the kid in there. That's that's you what's know, so funny like, about that scene is you're like, he's not gonna throw her in the water, is he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it it with your, Yeah, no, I never at any point like thought that the kids were actually in danger because it is it is at its heart like a, a kid's movie it's just like an 80s kids movie so it's a little bit of a you know an edge to it right but like uh it, it's um, kind of like where the goonies was for middle schoolers this was for like freshmen in high school or eighth graders right yeah yeah it's but the i just thought the the frankenstein thing was hilarious because yeah there wasn't even at, they didn't even have to talk him down like you know he's gonna he's gonna end up helping the kids but it's just like instantaneous like he's immediately like taken with this little girl and stuff and it's just like totally okay with they they never even have to convince him to join their side he's just there he just likes the kids oh yeah because naturally he doesn't want to harm them you know that right. to me, I thought was like one of the two like really heartbreaking scenes. In this I movie. yeah, that yeah, when, that's of course the very end of it. In my opinion. yeah, when they that's when they dragged him up in the clubhouse, and you know, it's like, what do we do about this? We can't tell anybody about this. You know, they're gonna they're gonna fucking dissect them. You know, we it's like we got to tell an adult about this. You know, so they're going back and forth about that, and then. You know, he takes the picture of the sister in the window, and then we've got bogus, bogus. <laughs> I thought I'm the talk, yeah. you know. And then that's when he picks up the Frankenstein's monster. Mask. They hand it to him. They hand it to him. Yeah, he he grabs it. He looks at it, and then he smacks it away, yeah. and you know, holds his face and says, "Scary." I, I yeah. felt like I, I felt like a sack of shit seeing that. I had a feeling that I know they go well. they, they had to change me. the the placement of the bolts on Frankenstein's monster because of like legal reasons, right. stuff like that. This one was looking way better. Yeah, 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 yeah. His he looked fantastic. He that was, and that actor just, method acted the entire time. He uh-huh. was, uh, Tom like, Nuna, did yeah. he? Yeah. So even when the cameras weren't rolling, yep. he was he was like, oh, that's funny. I, like I do stuff. remember, like, I, I'm a huge buff for, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. So if there's, like, a featurette of something, I'm all over that shit. And I remember um, 
the guy that played Rudy, Same. I think his name was Ryan Lambert. Mm-hmm. You know, he told the story. He was like, yeah, you know, he walked up in his makeup and, you know, I went up to him and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And then he looked at me you know, like with that same Frankenstein drooling face and didn't say anything. It was like, yeah, I get it. You know, honestly, in the behind the scenes, he kind of came off as a bit of an ass. Nice. You know, it, but you know what? He, he's a teenager. What do you want? Teenagers are going to fuck with whatever Did they come he... across. So you, because you said he was the same guy that played Kane in RoboCop 2. Yep. Was he also um, the dude in Last Action Hero? Was he also the... Uh, yeah, he played the Ripper. There we go. Oh, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. For like, he, his face, like he looks, you can't see it, and I couldn't tell with Frankenstein's monster because of all the makeup and everything. But when I really started thinking about the way he looks in RoboCop two, I mm-hmm. started to put it together. Yeah. Um, another early one, and this is a more obscure movie, but I mean, we talk about obscure movies all the time, don't we? Yeah, um, we do. No, okay. <laughs> another early Tom uh-huh. Noonan role that I liked him in was in Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield and Joe Pesci. Oh, nice. He 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 played a side off character who who he was one of the bar flies, but he was always hanging out with uh, Rodney and Joey. So um, so, so going forward, the kids have their plan in place. This is what we're gonna do, and here's where we get the you know the the them walking off into the sunset all together, and then we've got Dracula who finally found the amulet in Van Helsing's mansion. You know he's just about to come to it, but daylight's coming. Fat kid, what other kind of daylight <laughs> is there? <laughs> that 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 was another one of my favorite back and forths when they were quizzing him. <laughs> And it was like, and you know, it was like, so what kills Dracula? And then, you know, it was like uh, the stake through the heart. And then they're like garlic and then daylight. And he's like, nat sunlight. And then he was like, fat kid, what kind of light <laughs> is there during the day? You know, I, I just love all that. And then here we have that awesome montage, which I think they changed it in the DVD, which kind of sucked because I loved Rock Until You Drop. That was a catchy ass song, you know, but it just shows. It, it shows the I I had a DVD where they changed it. I swear to God. Hmm. You know, but we were also talking about this earlier before we went on the air where it's like, why do they change these things? I mean, I guess they lose the rights, but we were talking about how they changed the gunshot sounds in Terminator from VHS to DVD. Okay, well, I have to go slightly off topic because you mentioned it. The worst offender is uh, Return of Living Dead 2. They did fix it for the Blu-ray, but the digital digital copies and the DVDs – there's um, the scenes where the zombies are coming out of the, the graves. They yeah. change it to stock music. So it sounds like funky oh. disco music and not the because of rights issues. And it, uh, it's right. bad. Well, that was the same thing with this one is instead of hearing rock until you drop, which one or of the married with children, they couldn't get uh, yeah. Frank Sinatra's song. So they had to play like a MIDI for a MIDI sounding version of it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you just hear it, yeah, you know, and that's yeah. it. Oh, but with this one, it was the same thing where it was a very stock sounding, just hmm. it didn't even work. I mean, it, it's like somebody didn't even like bother to look through and be like, all right, what's something that fits the scene of like the kids going around on the bike? What fits in with like Rudy, you know, showing like the shop teacher, the birdhouse, and then he turns around and then you see him sharpening the stakes, <laughs> and then the mother's missing her fucking silverware, and yeah. they got Rudy melting it all down. <laughs> it was just like this cheery, happy thing. It's like 
even the worst fucking YouTube royalty free music track sounds better than this. Hmm. Like I, it just I don't know. That's uh, but I remember that really, really stuck out to me. And then we just flash forward to nighttime where the kids are outside the mansion. And it's like, does anybody want to back out now? And then it's like, no, you're not backing out. Well, don't forget the you scene know? where it's like, Rudy, quick question. No any virgins? Yeah, that, that was a classic, too. You know, because <laughs> the main... The main... That, kid, that kid did want to back out. He's like, you know, I got a better idea, guys. Maybe we could, you know... Maybe we could become a nature club. Mass yeah. Monsters, yeah. which is too scary. You know? you know, something that won't, that won't get us killed. And... <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, th- and that's finally when he grabs him and, you know, um, he was like, midnight, end of the world, remember? Yeah. You know, we're the only things that can stop this. Uh-huh. You know, so that's when they venture into the mansion and everything just goes up shit creek. I mean, we've got the Frankenstein's heavy footsteps making the dynamite go off prematurely, and that's when the roof collapses on He's him. already... We, we actually see, because his brides, his, his three brides, which... Um, in an earlier scene when he sedates the wolfman when he yeah he up, opens up the closet too many times yep he, he's I'm, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a bite yeah and uh there's three girls which was there. a nice nice little pun that was cool yeah because I I was like is, I was like holy shit is he gonna like just feed on them like suck them dry and shit and now he's yep. gonna turn them into his brides or whatever but I mean yep. he did yeah. feed them you know yeah oh yeah but, I mean, you know what? With those three ladies, come to think of it, and I was going to bring this up later because I remember them because they play a, a bit of a role later on. Uh-huh. There's no exposition whatsoever into who these girls are. Like, I always figured that maybe they were girls that Rudy went to school with because yeah. we were talking earlier about paybacks and how everything is set up for a reason. Everything that gets set up, there's some type of, like, an A-B moment there. You know, so I figured that since Rudy is the one that took them out later, he had gone to school with them, you know, well, or maybe they were at least, I mean, since, I mean, people do die in that movie, certainly, mm-hmm. but it seems like the, I guess, since it is still technically a kid's movie, the the people that are killed off are the ones you kind of know the least about, like the, yeah, the they're all throwaways. The, yeah, yeah. The, the dude driving the, driving the, the, the van earlier, the wolf van kills. And then, um, yeah, you're the absolutely only, right. The only one of the the only person, the only actual character uh, who who dies that we get to know in any capacity is the um, is uh, Sean's dad's partner, whatever the other. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet, so spoilers. But yeah, (laughs) but uh, believe me, if you haven't seen this movie that came out in 1987, (laughs) how the fuck are we spoiling much? He's the only one that you got attached to because. he yeah, said he had, they had kind of a cool buddy cop thing going on where he was kind of the wisecracking one, who was yeah the wise know, giving, ass giving the security guard at the museum a hard time and stuff and and yeah his amazing uh, laugh like he was yeah like I was, was just gonna bring up the laugh uh huh Dell Dell look I'm sorry what you trying to tell me that we're gonna go all the way out the Shadow Brick Road because you get a call from some guy who tells you he's a werewolf. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. I guess it's feasible, Dale. Listen to me. Come on, man. I apologize, all right? <laughs> he was um, definitely kind of doing his, his um, I, I, maybe not quite his Beverly Hills cop uh, <laughs> delivery, but he, was, he, he seemed like he was kind of channeling uh, a little bit of... Eddie uh, Murphy? Yeah. Now, Eddie Murphy's got that <laughs> going on. This guy was just hysterical. And I mean, just hearing that laugh, you can't help but... <laughs> but yeah, we, we, 
But Luke, he was kinda, yeah, that, that was more like Mickey Mouse. Who did that? Yeah, it was, was me. Like, as, well, I'm saying, as far as the character goes, it was like yeah. the character. It was like the the character. The comic relief. That. Yeah, but I'm saying he was. It's like he was acting as though he wanted to be in his own movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he kind of. Uh, he was almost acting like as if he thought the movie revolved around him. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like he was. He was. He was stealing the scenes. Right, yeah, that's and that's what made him so memorable, and that's and he's the only. I one. think he did it in a good way. He stood out he very, totally very did. well. No, he totally did because he he needed to though because you 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 want to feel bad when when he you know, does, yeah, yeah, inevitably. And I mean, that's that was kind of a tragic scene. I mean, uh, for that kind of a character, or whatever. Everybody else was a nobody though. Everybody else who died, it's like you you most of them didn't. Pretty even much, yeah. Yeah. Anybody that appears on screen, if they're not dead within the first two minutes, you know they're going to live throughout the rest of the movie. Well, yeah, let's not forget you. inside the mansion when the Wolfman yeah, attacks the... attacks them. The most infamous uh, well, scene of the whole well, that... goddamn movie. Well, that well, yeah. But before we jump to that, I, I I wanted to touch on this quick as well because after Frankenstein gets crushed by the debris, you know, it's like fat kid, go in there see if you can help him, and he's like, Sean, he's dead, you know, and he's like, but he's a monster. And that's when you can see Sean getting more and more into this leadership role. He's in full fucking swing at this point. Because that's when he's like, don't call him a monster. Because he died trying to help us. You know? And th- and that's when Wolfman jumps out and our, our famous kick him in the nards, kick him in the nards. He doesn't have nards. And he just flat out boots him right in the nuts. And then Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> you know? And, and of course, once again, fantastic they- set pieces. And they, that was also referencing something they said earlier because they were, um, they were having a conversation. It was, I think, why he wears pants. Teacher, yeah. yeah. When they were coming home from school, they were, they were talking about their monster trivia and everything. And then they, they they're like, because he, he wears pants. Because if he didn't, you'd see his, his, his dork or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> his Wolfman dork. Yeah. Right Those movies were made in the thirties. He had to wear pants. They were saw his wolf dork. Wolf dork. Wolf dork. Yeah. <laughs> you used the word dork a few times to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, this is probably one of the most intense scenes in the whole movie because now we've got the kids in total deep shit. I mean, we've got Wolfman who's finally recovered from getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> it is funny when he grabs way. himself we've and he's just like bite. wincing in pain. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then we've got the. Yeah. We've got that side door bursting open with the three vampire brides in there. They're coming out down one end of the hallway. Really good job with them holding the arms out like old school, looks scary as shit. And then they run down the other end of the hallway at this T-shaped junction. And that's when Dracula comes around the corner and he's not wasting any fucking time. He's just coming down there towards them and they're all sitting there. What are you doing? And that's when he's yanking on the arm of the statue. And it's like, haven't you read the Hardy Boys you yeah. know, there's got to be a secret level or something. And it's like, are you crazy? He's like, do you have a better idea? And that's when he pulls it the right way, and they all fall down a trap door. And here's where they find the amulet, and they finally come in possession of it. And that's the thing, too, is that um, most people would ask at this point, why didn't Dracula just blow open the fucking wall and go in and grab it? But if you look in, you'll see that that entire room is covered in crosses. Yeah, I... I was wondering about that for a minute too, but yeah, the the whole thing. Uh, although it did make me wonder because they, he had broken the last time we saw it. He had broken like just a small hole in there, and you saw the green light shining through, and he saw it and everything. Mm-hmm. But then, 
by that point, there was a much bigger hole that they, the kids could actually climb from the, the dynamite. Got yeah, okay, okay. But he hadn't. I mean, what was what was his plan then to get to it? Just get one of the other, get the wolf man. <laughs> he, get he gets it? one of those like grabber things, you know, and like six <laughs> in the room. One of those extendo claws. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I was just, I was a little bit, I was a little bit vague since like on uh, the rules to the whole with the crucifixes and whatnot, because he was clearly peering through that hole and seeing, like looking into that room where it's like typically. Well, he, he just like, can't look, look in that room. Okay. I got it. I got it. You know, it, it it did a really good job of sticking with the typical rules of all the yeah. horror movies. And yeah, I mean, like, Lord. asking what the plan was, I always felt personally that Dracula is, like, just, like, this cunning, manipulative fuck. I mean, it would have made sense if he had just, like, sent Frankenstein in there to grab it and bring it out. But I always felt that it was either that or his plan B was to get the kids down there he, so that they hadn't... could go in and grab it and bring it out. He hadn't found it yet. I'm pretty sure he discovers it um, after he already sends uh, Frankenstein's monster out to, you know, murder the children or whatever. Pretty get, much. Get the book. I think so. Because it's Dracula and the Wolfman are the ones that are down there in the catacombs when he, he mm-hmm. finally, like, finds the, the hole in the wall where he, uh, he sees where it is. Um, yeah, that's where the classic and no one can stop me line comes out, and that's when and we break into that the, orca montage. And it cuts to the kid just waking up, it cuts to Sean waking up, and it's yeah. like immediately, no Getting one right can there. stop me. Like, there, there he is. But you know, this is where we, we get to see Dracula's mean streak of sorts because right as soon as they're walking out with it, Drac pops up, grabs Sean, and you're giving it to me, you know. And, and I always thought this was so cool is when Horace gets it, you know, like the idea in his head. He pulls out a pizza that was wrapped up in aluminum foil Mm. and and slams it against Dracula's face and burns the shit out of his face. (laughs) And, I mean, of course, there's always the question, did he plan on that? Was that a part of their, you know, monster hunting apparel? Or was this just something that he was holding on to for later? Yeah, I think he's just got got food items on him <laughs> see I, I like to think of it as this was kids coming up with like a, a weapon mommy took my you know, twinkie like it was a garlic pizza you know mm-hmm. yeah the creature stole my twinkie line a uh, creature sorry yeah don't and i mean yeah creature stole my twinkie and i mean there's another um important scene that we kind of missed out on uh the recruiting because, uh, sister um, yes yeah because at this point, you know, the book is written in German. They can't understand it. And a virgin has to read the inscription. So what... And, of course, they, they haven't deduced this one yet. So what they do is, is you know, the, the, the question is, is where's Patrick and Rudy in all this? Like, Rudy's the ass kicker, and he's not involved in the team that's going into the mansion. Like, there's nowhere in sight. Because what happened in the meantime is Rudy and Patrick – had gone off and essentially blackmailed Patrick's sister into coming down and gonna, reading the book. I was going to ask, okay, so maybe I missed at, it at the montage. I saw time. him developing the... I saw him when he exited the uh, the photo uh, place or whatever. Yeah, the photo lab. Second, but, but Fox what, photo, they, that was it. Did they establish, though, like what exactly? Was it just a picture of her in her underwear? Was it one of those... What, did they take it from the camera? She had opened her robe. 
she had opened her robe and for and frankenstein accidentally took a picture of that it. was it. Okay. so that was yeah. actually the photo that they ended up using wow okay. yeah because they 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 took the sister aside and you know they dragged her up to the clubhouse and patrick's like trying to skirt around it and you know and yeah. what? <laughs> he he's doesn't like, want to know he doesn't want to know his, he doesn't want to ask the shit you know, it's like <laughs> like that, you know, and then yeah, finally Rudy is just like what your brother is so trying to eloquently put is at some point in time. Have you ever been dorked when he <laughs> like was sick. when Rudy was at, that, do you remember when they first before this before this when they they uh, they have to explain to Rudy what they need to do to find a virgin yeah. and they just they go to him at the. Um, at the little diner or yeah. whatever, and he's sipping a yeah. soda. It's like, do you know any virgins? He goes, <laughs> like, yeah, he does the spit take a few yeah. times. Yeah, it, it is so perfectly timed too. Like the, he, that take was, was <laughs> right. immaculate. Yeah, and then it cuts right off into the kids throwing rocks into the lake. So you, this is where the cinema photography shines. Ben Dork is, is a phrase I think it should be used more often. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when she's like, you guys are sick, and she's about to leave, and that's when he whips out the photo of her, and he's like, guess what? Fox Photo's got a two-for-one special here, and wouldn't you know it, there's a little bit, there's an extra space on the bulletin board for the football roster and the prom committee, and that's when they get her to go along with. They're waiting at the restaurant, because while all this shit's going on, they're jumping back and forth between the two. Sister's pissed off as all hell. They're sitting at the restaurant, and this essentially taught me how to speak to women, (laughs) was when... They're like, you know, he's late, you know, where is he? And then the sister, maybe the monsters got them. And then Rudy, maybe <laughs> it's a teenager, though. I mean, he's 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 clearly like into her physically, but he doesn't seem to be gelling all that much with her when they're. Yeah, he doesn't want to put up with her. Shit. Yeah, he doesn't want to actually like talk to her. I thought that was pretty funny. I, I like. Oh, yeah. He's like, this babe is major. Uh, you he know, he's, he, he clearly doesn't seem to be enjoying her company just on a on a personal level <laughs> oh yeah and can you blame her she's a pain in the ass now <laughs> yeah. in the meantime after frankenstein uh got sent off and after wolfman got drugged he spat the pills out and he broke loose mm-hmm. and this also goes to the second transformation which was expertly done but this is when you know the wolfman calls up dell at the police station sean's father and basically says you gotta get down to 666 shadow brook lane you know, and he's like, yeah, have a good night. And he's like, listen, I'm the guy that they shot. And he's like, uh-huh, and I'm Dirty Harry. You know, and that's when he finally says, he's going to kill your son. <laughs> and rip the car across the phone booth. Awesome. And, runs back, and runs back to the mansion. And that's where he showed up again. Trying to remember this shit in order. I remember lines, but keeping chronological shit with ADD is never a fun time. <laughs> you know, so... so that's when Dell decides to take off and he and the partner's following him and he's like you're seriously going to go out to a mansion on a hunch because some guy calls you up claiming to be a poor <laughs> claims to be <laughs> claims to be a werewolf no yeah. i'm sorry i know you're really serious about this and then he gets in the car and just bursts out laughing it's great <clears throat> no it's great so you know the calvary's on its way while everybody's running away from the mansion after they've burned dracula and stolen the amulet and kick the werewolf in the balls, you know? And this is where the movie just, like, kicks off into, like, 100% high gear. Because the kids are running away, and all of a sudden you see this antique Jeep pull up. You guys, I got scary German guy to help us. You know, so 
and then the old Calvary. man gets the Calvary. The Calvary. Yeah. Thank Christ. Yep. Yeah. And that's when the old man sits up, scary German guy, and he's like, are you sure that she is, yeah, she's a virgin. Why don't you broadcast <laughs> it on the six o'clock news, you little shit? <laughs> you know, and this is when they're peeling off down the road going in one opposite direction, and then the mummy finally makes his appearance and grabs a hold of the van and grabs a hold, and just the coolest monster kill you could ever ask for is when, give me some slack, I'm not going near that thing. Give me some slack. No, you do it. Don't be a wuss. Okay. And then <laughs> yeah. leans down and grabs, you know, a little bit of the werewolf's bandages and attaches Mummies. it to the bow and arrow set that he. What did I? The wolfman that you I said. said the yeah, he said werewolf. Awesome. So he grabs the mummy's bandage and attaches it to a bow and arrow set that he, you know, acquired earlier off of a shooting range and shot it into a tree. And you just watch the mummy's face go, oh shit. And then it just completely unravels. It's that okay. So I, cool. I called the creature the mummy earlier, so you know clearly we're losing our minds. Well, I I, I call the creature Gilman. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're old farts. It's eleven oh six at night. What do you want? <laughs> you know. So this is when the final battle happens. This is where shit's really going downhill. Oh yeah. And in the meantime, Dell is just about to get to the mansion, going a hundred miles an hour. And the partners, you realize you're going 100 miles an hour. It's my job as a good policeman to notice these sorts of things. He says and that, that's, that's when the hurts. A couple times he says, "I'm a good, I'm a good policeman." Something like because when he when he, he I notice things like that. I'm a good cop like that. I'm a good cop. Yeah, that's he's a character, man. I like that guy. Yeah, and we get that really awesome sequence of the hearse, Dracula's hearse, pulling down, going just that as fast. Cool. They play chicken with one another, and the hearse just phases right through the police car. You yeah. can definitely feel uh, Shane Black's uh, writing in this movie. Oh, yeah. Love definitely. it. Definitely, yeah. And, and you get that nice little comedy moment between the two where he's like, I'm not saying a word. I'm not saying anything at all. Thanks. And that's <laughs> when they peel around and try to follow him. And we got a, another one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And to me, it just shows what a vicious son of a bitch and how cool Dracula is. And once again, this is a very German thing to do. You burned my face. You broke into my house. All right, I'll fucking get you back. He pulls up to the house and all the elegance at this point is completely gone. You got a very pissed off Dracula pulling up in front of Sean's house, getting out, ripping the door of the hearse off grabbing a stick of dynamite and throwing it through the clubhouse window, meeting adjourned, and then just kablooey. <laughs> that was that was brutal, yeah, because, I mean, that's just like... I mean, of course, nobody's in the treehouse, but it's just like the the act of, <laughs> of doing that. Like, I talked about child endangerment and stuff, which it's like you, you can't get away with... I, but to I, me, it, 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 like I said, it was a very German thing to do. You no, I love it. No, it's, it's very, I, it's I very, got you back. It's very direct. It's very like, and, and I mean, Dracula, you know, really having basically nothing to fear from, from mortals or whatever. I mean, it's it's a that kind of full frontal assault kind of thing. It's, it's you know, just, yeah. I It's, it's, it's a very serious thing that it, it, it like borderlines petty, but he made a point. Yeah. No, you exactly. broke into my house. You burned my face. I burned down your clubhouse. Right? Yeah. Very, very. Can use some uh, fucking dynamite. Gonna put this dynamite to some good use. Cold and methodical. Much. It's very. It's very. Uh, he's the, sitting, the way he's portrayed in this movie is very characteristically him. 
Can you imagine that hearse ride where Dracula's just driving along at 100 miles an hour? Those little shits. With a big, with a bag of tea and tea. <laughs> yeah. He's like, those little, him loading it up while his face is trying to heal. Motherfuckers. You know? Yeah, that, that, and, that, that garlic pizza, man. I mean, that was, like, impressive. Oh, well, yeah. Half, <laughs> he, he turned into Two-Face for a minute. Yeah, it, it was, I was kind of halfway expecting it to be more of a like in a comedic kind of way, like more of a perfect kind of outline of the pizza or whatever, like a perfect kind of triangle on his face. I thought that would. Oh been no, he good. rubbed it in. Yeah. If it yeah. was a if it was a triangle, it would have been just as amusing. But I mean that that, right. that that shit was bad. That was a bad burn. And I mean in this scene, once again, uh, another thing to focus on is how there's such great attention to detail in this as well, where you had the tension going back and forth between Dell and his wife. In this scene, right before he blows up the clubhouse, you see the wife has packed her shit and thrown it at the door. And I mean, at this point, my sympathy for her is just completely flown out the window because it's like the world is going to hell and you're bitching and moaning because you're not getting enough attention. And now you're trying to take off while monsters are trying to destroy the world. You fucking ball buster. <laughs> you know? That, that that's just my take on yeah, it. Yeah, the you, movie really the movie kind of does. I mean, not to say that because I mean she the mom had like her moments of where you could see that she cared about, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like the, I, I thought that was one of the coolest things ever is when, you know, the the lightning was going on and the power had gone out and she came in with the candle and she's like, the candle will protect you. And then she's like, but Sean, you know, the lightning won't hit the house because of the candle. And I believe that shit when I was a kid, because when you're a kid, when yeah. a, a, a maternal person tells you something, you'll fucking believe it. But the you know? bonding... Like, uh between the, the bonding between, between the, the mother and the daughter and i mean well, that, that too that too but also father and son i mean yeah i was just gonna say it showed both sides of the coin where the boys really were sticking do. together the girls were sticking together and you had that other moment too where it's like you know sean says when it's lightning monsters will come no that's not what'll happen but the candle will protect you the, the you know the candle keeps mm -hmm. them away yes it does you know you like you can see that care there and then as she's walking out of the room, the kid is like, are you going to yell at him? Honey, I love your father very much. What? I mean, Sean, <laughs> for scaring me. Oh, I'll, I'll talk to him. You know? Like, at that point, it, the movie does portray her as just a big pain in the ass. But you can see that she cares, and she does have valid feelings in the whole thing. You know? It's just, th there was that little bit of one-sided thing. There's, there's definitely a guy flick, you know? but Oh, he, yeah, he, yeah, he, I think so. Mostly, but anyway. it, but to bring it back, though, there is that attention to detail where she's sitting there, marriage counseling and the arguments, and then at this point she's had enough and she's about to leave. And that's when he blows up the clubhouse and she goes out the front door and sees uh, the police car. I was thinking for a split second, I was like, oh shit, because she's like right behind Dracula. He's standing right there in their yard, and and I was yeah. like, is he going to take her hostage or something like that? I thought, I thought, lady, do not open that door. <laughs> yeah, especially after he blew up the police cruiser uh -huh. with Dell's partner in it. And Dell puts like three slugs into him. And you could see uh -huh. behind him, the the shots are registering yeah. on the wall. It just went right through him. And cool. then he looks at him, I will have your son. And then you see the shadow transforming into the bat. Right. And that's when the wife is like, what's going on? You know, so now we, we, we've finally hit the home stretch of the movie. We finally, you know, got where everything you know, finally pays off. You know, there's there's a in comparing the movie to the Goonies again, where you said earlier that um, the Goonies kind of has 
some maybe it has themes about you know the kids are like got to grow up and stuff it has uh mm -hmm. you know this is almost the reverse of that if you think about it because it's the parents you know they're telling they're telling the you know the kids the entire time monsters aren't real and and you know it's, it's all just make-believe and stuff and it's it's mm -hmm. it's the reverse where the the grown-ups actually have to like <laughs> you know accept that this shit really is real that this does yeah. happen you know and, and I, I mean uh, you know what in another thing since you mentioned the goonies come to think of it the mother I, I oh yeah her name was emily because the kid was like good night emily with the with scraps the dog you gotta remember mm -hmm. scraps the dog by the way <laughs> she was played by mary ellen trainer who was the mother in the goonies hmm. you know so that, that that's, that's cool. a nice little that's a nice little connection there for you i wonder if that was on purpose <laughs> I uh i mean you never know uh it's like the the actress it was like the mom in et she did a lot of mom roles and stuff yeah I mean, yeah usually it's not like I, I mean i guess you could say it's typecasting but it's it's a lot of times for those kind of character actors it's just that they're really good they excel at like those those types of things and i mean since so many 80s movies kind of followed that that formula having that family or whatever that that you know mm -hmm something supernatural occurs something you know i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say particularly that mary ellen trainer was typecast though because she was a phenomenal no, actress that's not what i'm trying to you say I'm, she's, just, I'm just saying well, I, I i know just that she's the mom but i i, I thought it was really interesting just how she managed to pull those two things in because yeah. i mean you know sadly we lost her about five years ago to pancreatic cancer oh, no. but i mean like, she was like in Alex so Trimback. much oh. shit. yeah, yeah. You know, rest in peace, Alex. Yeah, but yeah. fucking, she was in so much shit. I mean, like I remember her in Parker Lewis can't lose. How's that oh, for throwing things? I love that movie, or movie shit. That, that show. show. Excuse me, pardon my French, by the way. But yeah, no, that man. I I don't want to get sidetracked. Yeah. I just think that show was hilarious. But yeah, she was in that. She was in the Goonies. She was a psychiatrist yeah. in Lethal Weapon. She was in Die Hard. She was that news reporter. She was um she was the mother in Ghostbusters too. Yeah. You know, she 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 was in so many movies. Death becomes her. She was in a shitload of oh movies. Oh my gosh, yeah. She was in so much stuff, and then yeah, she was in Freaky Friday too. The original or the remake? The two thousand three remake. The Jamie Lee Curtis one. Jamie Lee Curtis. And, yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? The girl from Herbie. Uh, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. I think it was Lindsay Lohan. I, I never it was. It was. That was that was before that was before she just completely just uh swan dived into drugs and drinking. Yeah. Oh, Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Allegedly. No, no, we have not to say allegedly here. Curtis. Allegedly. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Allegedly. Yes. Thank you. But um, yeah. But she she was in a ton of movies. She was in Scrooge for Christ's sake. She's 